Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. I would tell you, since it's the picnic, that I would preach shorter, but I don't want you to call me out for being a liar, so that's not what I'm going to say. My goal is to preach less or shorter, so we'll see. Yes. All right, so today I want to talk on, or I want to encourage you to hold on to hope. And I want to begin by asking a few questions. Why is hope important? Rhetorical, so you don't have to yell it out. So why is hope important? Is hope even necessary? Okay. What is the role of hope for the believer? Is it just a secondary issue? Or is it a main thing? Is there a difference between humanistic hope and biblical hope? So as always, when I preach, I always like to give a definition because in, in our society today, uh, words can mean very different things from, very di- from, uh, from person to person. So uh, hope, according to Webster, do you know Webster? Okay. It means to cherish, and cherish means to hold dearly, to hold on to. So to cherish a desire with anticipation. Can you say anticipation? Anticipation. It means to desire with expectation. Can you say expectation? expectation? So to desire with expectation of attainment and fulfillment. It means to expect with confidence. And confidence basically means trust. Or to expect with confidence, it means that you place your trust in something or someone. And you can see this connection throughout Scripture where hope and trust are tied together. So where you have hope, there is trust. And where there is trust, there is hope. But I want you to notice something about those definitions is hope is ahead of us. Hope is not in our present reality. Do you guys understand that? Hope is ahead of us. It's in our future reality, but it tells us to hold on to hope, okay? It's not here and now, it's in the future, but we're told to hold on to it. So Romans 8, 24 through 25, we were given this hope when we were saved. So the context here is a future glory that is for the believers. It is for a future freedom that is for the believers, So it says, we were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. Did you hear what that said? So hope is not in our present reality. It says, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward, say forward. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, Here's the effect of it, right? 
We must wait patiently and confidently. What was the definition of hope? To hold a desire with anticipation, with expectation, and with confidence. So even though hope is not in our present reality, it's the things that pulls us into the future. It's a thing that nudges us into the future. In scripture, it describes hope as hope is the anchor for our soul. What is an anchor, sailor? <laughs> it's a thing that holds the boat. It's the thing that is attached to the boat that is on the, the sea level, right? So there's an attachment there. So when it talks about holding on to hope, think of hope being in the future. And if we have hope tied to us, it nudges us. It pulls us forward. Because guess what? We can get pretty discouraged in our life. We can become very disappointed and we want to live sometimes in the past and we get so afraid that we get stagnant. But you know what hope does? It tugs us forward. So we cannot lose hope. We're instructed to hold on to it. Another version will say, we eagerly wait for it. What is it? A promised hope. We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So hope is the thing that keeps us going when it doesn't feel great to keep on going. No one has ever been there. Are you guys with me today? Yeah. All right, I'm going to need a little bit more interaction from you guys. So Ruben, if you want to take that role, <laughs> I appreciate that. And then you got follow his agenda. Example, when he goes, whoa, you go, whoa, when, you, when he goes, amen, hallelujah. Oh, if he runs around the church, pray for him. No, I'm just joking. Join him, right? Join. I know it has. I've seen it many times. All right. I'm talking about hope, people. All right. All right. So hope is imperative for the believer because it's that gentle nudge. It's that motivator for the future. It tugs on you to, re, it recapture, recaptures your attention. Have, have, you ever, have you ever been focused on something and someone tapped you? And you're like, oh, you're out of it, right? And hope does that. Sometimes we get so caught up in the things of this world. We get so caught up with the tragedies or the turmoil or the, or the drama. And hope, when we hold on to hope, it nudges us. Hey, there's something better in the future. Right? It pulls us. It keeps us moving. And this is why we're commanded to hold on to hope. To not forsake hope. To remain tethered to hope. To hold on it with expectation. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold tightly. Say tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted. Remember how I said hope and trust are intertwined in Scripture. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. When you're in the midst of a difficult situation, when we hold on to hope, it's that reminder that God will fulfill what he has spoken. Come on. Now I have a, a quick question for you guys, but have you ever lost your cool? <laughs> 
Do you know what that means? Not you, Ruben. No, I don't believe it. <laughs> have you ever lost your cool? Worse yet, have you ever been accused of being one that was quick to fly off the handle? <laughs> we have an honest person here. Thank you, Brandon. So we understand what that means, right? So either we experienced it firsthand within ourselves, or we experienced it through someone else's actions or behavior. But we can all relate to this idea of letting go of something that is immaterial. And immaterial just means real, but it's not tangible. Like your thoughts are real, but they're not tangible, right? You can't grab a hold of it. So when we say we lose our cool, we're not actually like letting go of something in the natural. We're letting go of maybe your self-control, right? That is immaterial. So in this case, it's being calm and controlled and replacing it with chaos and uncontrolled reaction. You lost your cool. You flew off the handle, right? Now, if I asked you, what would it take for you to lose your faith? Okay, so we, we know what it means to lose our cool. But what would it take to lose your faith? What would it take to let go of your faith? Because we hold on to our faith. We hold on to hope, right? What would it take for us to loosen our grip on faith? And I would say the majority of people in this place will say, well, nothing. Nothing will cause me to lose my faith. I will hold on to it to the bitter end, right? I will persevere. I will be strong. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of you agree with that? That you won't let go of your faith? Well, let me ask you this. How easy is it for you to surrender your hope? Okay, we already talked about you would never let go of your faith, right? You hold on to it tightly. But how easy is it for you to lose hope, to surrender your hope, to loosen your expectation of good for the future? How easy is that? Is it through a news article? Boom, I'm out of hope. <laughs> is it through a nasty email from a coworker? I lost hope. What did Hebrews say? Hold tightly without wavering to the hope that you affirm. Come on. But how easy, I want to point out in scripture that your faith is also tied to your hope. You can't have one without the other. And so we would say, oh, we would, we would never lose our faith. But how easy is it for us to become discouraged and lose hope? Because scripture says, hold on to it tightly. Come on. So I want to take a moment just to reflect. And you can ask the Holy Spirit, what does it take for you to lose your hope? Just take a moment. What does it take for me to lose my hope? To feel hopeless. Is it a big thing? Is it a small thing? What does it take? What does it take for you to let go of your expectation for good? And the reason I can say good is because 
If you have an expectation for pain, turmoil, turmoil, and evil, that would be called fear, not hope, right? Remember how I said that our faith is tied to, it's connected to our hope. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Do you see the connection there? Do you see how they're joined together? Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I want to challenge you guys today that I feel like in, in today's climate, I see even within believers that their hope just goes out the window. They just let it go so freely. And they, they would never give up their faith, but their hope just out the window. But I would say that your faith or your hope is actually tied to the foundation of your faith. What did Hebrews say? Hold on tightly without wavering. So when you encounter a situation that seems hopeless, don't let go of hope. We're commanded to. So it is by faith that we hold on to our hope. Our faith is what tethers us to hope. In the presence of faith, there is hope. Guys, I'm talking about hope today. <laughs> Come on. How easy. It says, hold tightly to hope. And the devil's doing something over here, and you're like, oh, I let go of hope. What's he doing over here? Hold on to hope. Because it's tied to your faith. It's connected to your faith. So I want to take a moment to lay a good foundation for what true biblical faith is. Because faith is not, it's just not something that you come up with on your own. It's not faith in the goodness of someone's heart. <laughs> true biblical faith, I'm going to talk about how it comes and how we receive it. Because faith is what tethers us to our hope. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So there's three consecutive stages of how we receive faith. The first one is the origin. The source of our faith comes from where? By hearing the word of God. So what is the source of our faith? The word of God. So true biblical faith can only agree with God's word. I want to say that again. True biblical faith can only agree with God's word. If you can't find it in the word of God, it's not faith. I'm going to say that again. If you can't find it in the word of God, it's not faith. Faith is based solely on hearing the word of God. And hearing here means it's received by our soul. It's received by our mind. So God's word does not immediately produce faith, but it starts by hearing. And hearing in this context is described as an attitude of awakened interest and attention, a sincere desire to receive and to understand the message presented. 
How many of you know your kids can hear you, but they might not be listening? No one knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? So it's not just hearing something. Because if it was just hearing something, every kid that grew up in church would be filled with faith. Come on. It is hearing it with an awakened interest, with an attention, with a sincere desire to receive, to understand the message presented. Hearing alone does not produce faith. You can hear this message right now, and it will not produce faith. You have to receive it with interest. So it's a combination of awareness, awareness that it's God speaking. Because remember, remember that faith can only come through God's word. So it's an awareness of knowing that God is speaking. Hey, listen, I could say some great things up here, but it must be confirmed with the Holy Spirit in your life. So it's me presenting a truth, but it's then the work of the Holy Spirit. Hey, listen, when I speak, it should be a three-way conversation. When I speak, you should hear it. The Holy Spirit, you should ask the Holy Spirit, you should commune with the Holy Spirit, but then there's this other guy that wants to get involved. You need to control your mind and not allow that other person to get involved. Did you leave those meatballs in the... In the always distracting, always condemning. Because I could say something that should bring life and the enemy jumps in and speaks condemnation. It's a three-way conversation. Me... You and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so without awareness and interest, what we hear will never turn into faith. We might grow in knowledge, but that head knowledge will not turn into true biblical faith. For God's word to turn into faith, it cannot remain in the soul. His word must be rooted and established within our hearts for it to produce true biblical faith. So when we hear the word of God and it stays in our mind, what do we call that? Knowledge. We call it knowledge. And the truth is, knowledge alone or mental acceptance of a truth does not make faith. How does it become faith? It has to make its way to the heart. So how do we know God's word has made it to the heart? Well, we believe it. How do you know that the truth that you've received from God's word turns into faith? You believe it. So what is the difference? Mental acceptance is an agreement without practical application. You know, I can believe in the benefits of something, but if I don't put it into practice, I won't reap the fruit of it. Like something that we can all relate to, diet and exercise. I can believe in the benefits of eating right. I can believe in the benefits of exercise. But if I don't put it into practice, I won't eat the fruit of it. Do you guys see the difference? So it's not just hearing the word of God and saying, yeah, I agree with that in my mind. You know what? A lot of people believe in God, but they're not transformed. So they have a mental acceptance of the word but it hasn't reached the heart where they believed it, where there's practical application. So mental acceptance of truth is not true biblical faith. Truth that resides in the heart is faith which is 
which is expressed through believing or action. Until truth penetrates the heart, there will be no faith and no fruit from it. This is why James could declare, without faith without works is dead. Because it is impossible to tr have true biblical faith within the heart without a corresponding action. How many of you ever heard the scripture verse? Uh, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Like that's, the, that's kind of the prayer that you pray when you get saved. But a lot of religious things happen in there and they say, did you believe in your heart? Okay, now confess with your mouth. That's not how it works. If you believe in your heart, there is a corresponding action of confessing with your mouth. If you truly believe, there will be a confession of the mouth. It's not a step. Okay, did you believe in your heart? I'm looking at you. Okay, now confess it. That's not how it works. It's because you believe in your heart, your mouth will confess it. Uh, I said, I sent a joke to, uh, to Shimon, and it was basically, what's the hardest thing about being a vegan? Keeping it to yourself. All right. Have you ever met like a vegan or a plant-based or, or whatever? They got to tell you about it, right? Uh, a triathlon person or a... Uh, uh, CrossFit, they got to tell you the gospel of CrossFit, right? My point in saying this is they believe it. What are they doing? They are evangelizing it. So when you believe in your heart, there is a corresponding action of confessing it with your mouth. Like I said, this is why many people can believe in God, but don't have the faith to walk it out. So how does faith come real quickly? The only source of true biblical faith is the word of God. Hearing with awareness and interest is not just hearing it, but actually hearing it with desire and having an awareness that it's God speaking. And the last is believing and acting upon it. That's where it turns into faith. So let's go back to hope. So now hope or now faith is the substance of things hoped for. What is the source of our faith? The word of God. So now faith is the substance. What did it say in Hebrews? Can we go back to that? The first slide, can you pull it up? I'm really stressing the, there you go. Now, no, that's not it. The first slide, the first, oh, there we go. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Why is our faith connected to our hope? Because our hope is founded in what he's promised. Yeah. Are you guys seeing this? His, our faith is founded in what he's spoken and what he said. That is why we have hope. Come on, I'm preaching better than you guys are acting. All right, my word. All right. So let's go a little deeper. Hope also means a desire accompanied by expectation of or belief in. So what does it mean to believe? Romans 10.10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth uh, confession is made unto salvation. So that word unto is an archaic term, basically means it's an old-fashioned term that doesn't really get used much now. So, but unto means 
into or towards. So Paul is saying, with the heart one believes into righteousness, moving towards righteousness. And to believe is a verb of motion. It's a verb of movement and of change. So in this passage, the movement is towards righteousness. This implies a transition or a change of some kind. Believing is not stagnant. When you say you believe, just like I jokingly said about those that believe in veganism, right? They're going to let you know. They're going to tell you all about it. And this is true with the gospel. When we believe it, we just don't keep it to ourselves. We, there's actually movement. There's change. There's an expression of it. So hope is a desire accompanied by an expectation of or belief in fulfillment. So hope for the future that is not accompanied by a corresponding action will make the heart sick. I'm going to say this again. Hope for the future that is not accompanied by a corresponding action will make the heart sick. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else. Seems pretty important, right? For it determines the course of your life. Why do you guard your heart? Because it is the compass toward, for your life. The direction your life will go. So what does, that, what does my heart have to do with the hope that I have in my mind? Because remember, hope is in the realm of the mind. And, well, maybe I didn't tell you that, but it is. Hope is in the realm of the mind. Faith is in the realm of the heart. So Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And that word deferred means to draw out or to delay or to be postponed. Now, many of the things that we hope for are not overnight. They're not microwave or instant and instantaneous period of time. So this has to be talking about something more than just a period of time. Now, have you ever heard this example that waiting on God is not an inactive activity. And the example that is used is as a waiter, right? A waiter is still serving. As a waiter, they serve. So the same thing is, is true in the kingdom of God. As we wait, we continue to serve. We do not become stagnant. We continue to be active because faith without works is dead. Mark eleven twenty four. I'm just going through this fast so we can get to that picnic. I'll tell you what. For this reason, I'm telling you, whether you ask, uh, whatever you ask in prayer, believe, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you and you will get it. Remember, believe is the verb form of faith, which is to act in such a way that your prayer is granted to you. So when you pray, take ownership of it, step into it, move towards it. And then it says, and you will get it. So hope for the future pulls us forward. It moves us in the direction of the kingdom, which is always advancing and always increasing. If we are in the kingdom of God and the kingdom is always advancing and it's always increasing, what does that say for us? That we need to be following in the steps of the kingdom. And the king. Come on. So the hope that you hold on to is not valid because you believe it. It's valid because it agrees with the word of God. Okay? 
It's valid because it's according to his word. So hope that is based in the mind alone has no scriptural validity. This type of hope has no certainty. And let me give you this quick example. I could be working a long day at work. It's a long. And in my mind, I begin to think, I hope there's food when I get home. <laughs> right? Have you ever had that feeling before? Yeah. I hope there's, and I'm not pointing any, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. No. I'm just joking. I hope there's food at home. And there is a, lar a large chance that my hope might be deferred, right? <laughs> might be dashed, right? Because it was just something I hoped for in my mind, and it really had no scripture, and it had no backing in scripture. But let's say the night before, my wife says, you know what, I was thinking about making that one dish. Oh, that one dish, you know that one dish, everybody knows that one dish. The tater tot casserole, that's the one dish, all right. Everybody knows that one, right? And so it's another long day at work. But now, my hope is attached to her word, right? So my hope has more certainty, right? Because she said it. She promised it. Now, in the natural, we know life happens. <laughs> and even though her word is good, life happens. Can you see why our hope must be connected to our faith? And what is the origin of our faith? The word of God. God's word is assured. Are you guys seeing this? Just like that example, because my wife gave me her word, my hope had more validity. My hope had a greater expectation. It had more security because a promise was given for the casserole. But think about this, guys. Our hope is tied to our faith, which is the word of God. Isaiah 55, 11. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. Come on, guys. Would you say that's an assured thing when God says it always produces fruit? It will accomplish all it it will accomplish all it, oh, there's a typo. Okay. So basically, it's going to happen. It will prosper wherever it goes. I would say when our hope is tied to our faith in the word of God, guess what? We don't have to let go of it because we know it will accomplish and it will fulfill all that it was sent out to do. So when God speaks to you through his word, when he speaks to you in a still small voice, hold on to it. Don't let go of it because of the situations that you're experiencing. Hold on to hope. Hold tightly to hope. Come on. Our hope has complete certainty when it's founded on the word of God. I don't ever have to question if it will come to pass 
because it's founded in the word of God. And that is where my faith is founded. So faith and hope that is founded on a politician is not certain. I'm going to say that again. (laughs) Faith and hope in a politician is not certain. Faith and hope that is founded on a deep desire for it to happen is not certain. So it's not, if you hope for it so much, really, really hard, that's not certain either. Come on. Faith and hope in the goodness of someone's heart is not certain. Reuben is amazing, but my faith cannot be in him. That's right. Hope secured can only be found in the word of God. And that is what we hold on to. That faith is the substance of things hoped for. So remember when I said, is hope really necessary or is it just a side thing? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Three things will last forever. Okay. I don't know about you. But last forever sounds certain to me. Okay? Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And you're like thinking, you talked all this time on hope, and the greatest is love. There's only so much time that you guys can handle. Okay? So be appreciative of this. All right. Three things that will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Do you know that these three things, these three eternal truths, things that last forever are a form of protection? Did you know that? Faith and love, here, let's go to this. First Thessalonians, if I'm saying that right. Thessalonians, Thessalonians. First, okay, we're good. All right, 5-8, but let us who are the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love. So what is a breastplate? It's a form of armor. What does the breastplate protect? Your heart. So what protects your heart? Faith and love. And as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So what? is the armor that we put on our mind to protect it. Hope. Hold tightly to hope without wavering. Now, I'm a big definition person, so I'll just read it anyways. A helmet in any of various protective headwear coverings, usually made of hard metal to resist impact. So that is what a helmet is, so we're all on the same page. Have you ever been accused of being hard-headed? This is a rhetorical question. Brandon, we know the answer. Okay. All right. Have you ever been accused of being hard-headed? How about (laughs) thick-skulled? What does that mean? It means you're stubborn. It means nothing will change your mind. You are set in your ways. Is that not what it means, right? Think of this. Hope is the helmet that protects your mind. How easily easily do we let go of hope? 
We need to become hard-headed, thick-skulled, stubborn about our hope. Remember, a helmet is a hard protective covering. So when something pops up in your life, you need to be stubborn about your hope. You need to be thick-skulled about your hope. You need to be set in your ways for your hope that is connected to your faith. Come on. And if someone says you're hard-headed, say, thank you, Jesus. I am so hopeful. Have you ever been around someone that are, is going through a terrible thing and they're just speaking hope? They have the helmet that is protecting their mind. They have the helmet of hope on. Every day you got to put it on. Now, how would you respond to your circumstance and your situation if that morning you put on the helmet of hope? What would your day look like? What would your conversations look like? What, were your, what would your emotional state be if every morning I say, by faith, I put on the helmet of hope of my salvation? Come on. Not just eternal salvation, but salvation here and now. So is hope necessary for the believer? According to scripture, it's in the same category as faith and love. So I would say that's pretty important. And like I said, I've seen in the church, not necessarily this church, I'm just saying all church, hope just goes out the window. Anything happens. Hope is what we hold on to. Hope is that helmet that protects our soul. Hebrews 10, 23 let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. When something happens in your world, remember, God will keep his promise. And true biblical hope is a confident expectation of good. It's a steady, persistent optimism. Romans 8, 28 and we know all things. All things means all circumstances, right? We know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So hope is a consistent way of thinking that is expected of all believers. I'm going to say it again because it was good. Hope is a consistent way of thinking that is expected of all believers, because we know all things work together for the good of those that love God and called according to his purpose. I'm going to read it one more time. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Now let's just take a moment. How easy is it for us to let go of our hope? And I hope that this sermon, this message, the, the, the releasing of God's word challenge you to say, nothing is going to steal my hope. Nothing is going to rob me of my hope. When circumstances come in, I'm going to hold tighter to that rope of hope. I wasn't trying to rhyme, but it happened. I'm going to hold tightly to hope. When the waves get crazy, I'm going to remember 
that my hope is what anchors me. So believe me, you'll have an opportunity this week to let go of hope. I guarantee it. But by faith, choose to hold tightly without wavering to the hope that you have. For what God has promised, he will fulfill. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just thank you for today. Lord, we thank you that we have a hope, that we can see what's going all around in society. We can see maybe what's happening in our family situation. We can see what's happening with our neighbor we, or maybe in our own self. But Lord, by faith, by faith in your word, we have a hope. We have an expected expectation for good. We know that all things work together for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purpose. So I refuse to let go of my hope. I will, when the enemy comes in, I'm going to stiffen my grip. Nothing is going to steal my joy. Nothing is going to steal my hope. I'm going to hold on to it because my hope is connected to my faith, which is founded in the word of God, which has complete certainty. Come on. So, Lord, we just thank you and give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry about that. I kind of started preaching in my prayer, but it all, it's all good. So could we have the healing team?